Welcome to Drink This Beer, a show dedicated to craft beer and the people who make it. Each episode, we'll get the stories behind the brews you love. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? And welcome to Drink This Beer. It is our podcast that we do every other week or so with uh, Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing great, Aaron. Awesome. And we are excited to talk to this next uh, guest that we have on our line, Rob Sama from Baderbrow. He is the owner of Chicago Land's Original Craft Beer. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks. Definitely. Oh, we caught you off guard. I'm sorry. Did we catch you off guard? What? No. <laughs> no. I think no, he's drinking a, a beer. I think we're drinking a beer too. We're so. drinking a beer too. So yeah, I, I've got one here. I'm ready to open. So. Okay, there we go. Let's Good do deal. It. So, and for those that are tuning in that may be a little confused by drink this beer, if yes. you've been listening to Project BGR, we did rebrand. This is the first episode with the rebrand of the Drink This Beer Craft Beer Podcast, and we changed the name because the old name sucked. Yeah, the guy who came up with that name should be fired. We got to keep. He's him horrible. Out there, so that was me. Well, Rob, okay. thank you, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We just uh, cracked open your uh, Southside Pride here, enjoying that. So uh, I tell you what, to start off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this beer? Well, so Southside Pride is our uh, triple decocted Munich style Hellas. Um, it's uh, uh, the lightest of our offerings, but probably from a technical standpoint, the most difficult to make. Um, at Baderbrow, we went through the effort. We invested in a uh, separate decoction kettle just to be able to make decocted beers. And uh, this is uh, our only decocted beer that's year-round. And uh, it was just rated by Beer Advocate uh, as outstanding, and, and uh, I, I would have to say I agree. It's, it's <laughs> there you go. Fantastic beer. We specially source under modified malts to make the decoction make sense. And, um, uh, you know, I've been told by uh, uh, many uh, Eastern European immigrants, of which we have plenty around here in, in Chicago, uh, that, it, that it's very authentic and, and reminds them of what they've had in, in, in Germany. So. so you can have it with your pierogies and you'll be all good to go, right? Is that... Come again? You can have it with your pierogies, and uh, you know, and you'll be good to yeah. go. That's right. Yes, have it with your pierogies or with anything else. Excellent. Yeah. That sounds Excellent. good to me. So to back up a little bit, there uh, we kind of jumped in because we were drinking this beer. But uh, yeah. Rob, tell us—you've got a really interesting story with Bader Brow. Can you kind of tell us how in the world you started this brewery? So Bader Brow is kind of a whacked out story. Um, Bader Brow was Chicagoland's original craft beer. It was first brewed in 1989 by a guy named Ken Pavicevich, who was a city of Chicago cop um, who decided he didn't like being a cop and wound up becoming an oil salesman. And his sales work took him across Europe, where he discovered the great beers of Europe, and he came back and wondered, why, why is there no good beer here? So he, he actually IPO'd uh, on the NASDAQ with nothing but an idea, which I don't think you could do today. But no, he, he that's not going to work, yeah. He raised, in, in 1986, he raised about $3.5 million to open a craft brewery in Chicago, or what at the time would have been called a microbrew. And by 1989, he was brewing that beer, which was uh, our flag, today our flagship beer, Bader Brow Chicago Pilsner. Uh, the beer took Chicago land by storm, uh, but uh, the company was financially mismanaged, and it, it wound up going under. Fast forward to, well, I should say, back in its heyday, I was in college, and I used to drink the beer, and, and I was a home brewer then, and, and we all had a tremendous amount of admiration for uh, Bader Brow and, and for the idea that they would go up against the majors and try to bring better beer to the city. 
So, and you and you went to uh, University of Illinois, right, or Chicago, right? Is that how? Oh uh, yeah, two different schools. But, okay. So Sorry. I went to the University of Chicago. There you go. University of Illinois. Okay. Yeah. So so I went to the University of Chicago, and uh, Ken, uh, the 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 founder of the original Beta Brow, had come and spoken to our homebrew club, and um, uh, you know I, I have very fond memories back in the day in the early nineties of uh, drinking Bader Brow while, while uh, pouring wort into a carboy to, to ferment. So um, uh, it, it was really, uh, it had an outsized sense in my, in my worldview. And so years later, I discovered, I was, uh, well, I was working for, uh, working at a desk job, and I was chatting with my old college uh, buddy and, and, and uh, a homebrew buddy and wondering, Whatever happened to Baderbrow? And for kicks, I went and looked up Baderbrow.com, and the donate, domain name was available. And that wasn't all that weird to me because Baderbrow went under around 97 or so, which is around the time the web was starting to take off. So, you know, it was it, it, they probably never had a website. Yeah. So I registered it, and I figured at the time I would just put up a website um, saying, remember the good old days of Baderbrow, that kind of thing. Kind of like a, yeah, kind of like an homage type of webpage back, back then. An right? homage, yeah. There you yeah. go. And, and uh, a few weeks later, I happened to be um, reading a newspaper article about someone who had started a business by registering a lapsed trademark. And it was really only because Baderbrow was fresh in my mind did I wonder, geez, did the Baderbrow trademark lapse? And I went and I looked it up on USPTO.gov, and it turned out it had lapsed just two months earlier. So I went ahead and registered it, and I said, now what? <laughs> I, I, I knew the name. I knew the name of the original owner, but I also knew he wasn't the brewer. He was a, a guy with a sales background. And so I went and I uh, Googled around and found the name of the brewer, a guy by the name of Douglas Babcook and uh, Googled his name over and over uh, until I came across a condolence page for the late Michael Jackson. And, of course, being a beer podcaster, I shouldn't have to explain this, but we're talking about the beer critic Michael Jackson. Yes, right. not the other sure. one. Not, yeah. right. not the other one. And uh, back in the day, Michael Jackson had called Baderbrow the best pilsner he'd ever tasted in America. So uh, on the condolence page was a condolence left by a Douglas Babcook along with an email address. So I wrote him a one-line email. I said, would you happen to be the same Douglas Babcook that was affiliated with Bader Brown in the early 1990s? And he writes me back a one-word email. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to talking. He was the um, uh, uh, head brewmaster worldwide for Stroh's back in the day. He was a Canadian guy. He'd, he'd come to work for Stroh's, jumping across the straits in Detroit, and when Stroh's went to merge with Schlitz, he took his leave and went on to help found seven different craft breweries across North America, of which Bader Brow is the first. And so I got the recipe and the yeast strain from him. At the time, he was 85 years old. Uh, now he's, he's, he's pushing 90 years old. Um, I just spoke to him recently. And uh, uh, I was off to the races. So I started by, uh, we started by contract brewing the beer. And uh, come uh, June of last year, we opened our own brewery on the south side of Chicago. That's quite the journey that you've had uh, so far. Yeah, it's, it, was, <laughs> it was kind of wacky. It, it, you know, I, I, All that I, for I, one I, Pilsner I, beer. It's like you had to you had to kind of get that done. I had to get that done. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. You know, listen to the story of how you found all this. If the brewery doesn't pan out for you, you would make an excellent stalker. So, you know, you can go <laughs> well, into thank that. You. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll let my ex-girlfriend know. There, there you go. go. <laughs> there you go. We uh, we actually just cracked one open. You saw, I heard Tim maybe opening up the bottle here. Just, yep. Or the can just before. Can there, I, I love so. this. This is fantastic. I, I am, I've never had the your Beta Brow Chicago Pilsner before. It's crisp. It's clean. I can see why you drank a lot of this in college. It, you know, it's hard to imagine if you don't remember those days. But, like, you'd walk into a bar in Chicago, and, you know, a typical bar would have three tap handles, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and those, those tap handles didn't rotate. They were just the three tap handles that were always up. You know, and you'd have something along the lines of uh, Miller and Budweiser, some variety of them. And if you were lucky, you might get a Guinness on the third one, right? Yeah. But, but you know, in, in Chicago, if you had that Boehner brow on that third tap handle, you were, you were excited because you had something to drink all night. You know, you wouldn't have to switch off onto, I don't know, whiskey or something. Yeah. It was, it, you had a quality beer that was made locally that you could be excited about. And those tap handles were really sticky back in the days, you know? Yeah, and it was, um, it's funny because, you know, um, a lot of regions have that. You know, I went to college in upstate New York. Yangling was that one for us because we're right sure. there on the Pennsylvania border. So that was before, of course, Yangling became so big. It was still kind of a regional beer for us. And, and yeah, and you always had that one kind of local beer. You're like, oh, that's really cool. I want to drink that. And that's that's ours that we that we get to drink and own. Right, right, right. And, and you know, with Bader Brow, they were, they were making a real a real craft beer you know mm-hmm. it was an all malt beer with no adjuncts added they made a real big point of that and uh, you could it, it, it taste you could taste it it shone through absolutely now that's uh i'm enjoying this right I now am too. Good. This is nice. i'm gonna ask an obvious question here uh yeah. rob the uh the phoenix on the can is that the representative of the rebirth of this beer it is it's representative of the rebirth of the beer um i i also fell in love with the beer as an undergraduate at the University of Chicago, uh, the Phoenix is the mascot of the University of Chicago. Oh, that's um, right. Yep. But nice. But it's it, yeah, it's it's the mascot because the the original University of Chicago burned down along with the entire city of Chicago. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, in the late 19th century, so the the Phoenix is also representative of the city. It's it's uh, it, it's sort of a symbol of, of Chicago itself. Too. Yeah. That's funny because yeah, we're based in Atlanta, and so we know a lot about uh, people Cities burning things burning. down. Yeah, we yeah, rebuild we've, we've had that. That happens sometimes yeah, for us so, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. more drink this beer with Tim and Aaron coming up after this. Hey, this is Aaron. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We've got some really awesome things that are coming soon that will help us engage with you some more. We're not going to lie to you though; it takes time, effort, and money to produce this show every week. So if you'd like to be part of the Beer Guys family, we would love your help. Head to patreon.com slash beerguys to become a sponsor. We're not going to beg. Okay, maybe just a little bit. But hey, we've got some great swag for those who become a sponsor, and you'll be among the first to know about the great things that are coming to the Beer Guys universe. Again, that's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash beerguys. Or you can go to beerguysradio.com and click the sponsor link. We thank you for your support and cheers. Welcome back to Drink This Beer with your hosts, Tim and Aaron. So, yeah, so you're on the south side right now. So uh, go White Sox, right? No, none of this cubby stuff. 
uh, you know, we're, we're, we're ecumenical. Okay, we're, good. We're happy. <laughs> uh, you know, we're not, we're not uh, bitter about it, but, but yeah, we're, we're more. That's, that's the Southside pride. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're not too, it doesn't look like you're too far from, the, from U.S. Cellular Field. So, uh, so yeah. So or, or what they now apparently are calling guaranteed rate. There, well, that's right, exactly. But sure. uh, but yeah, so the neighborhood and the vibe, you know, the South Side. Uh, my, my wife went to school in Northwestern, you know, and always kind of didn't have that uh, that great of a uh, of a reputation on the South Side. But it seems like it's changed a little bit. Uh, how has that uh, kind of uh, concurred with your growth over the past years? You know, um, it's it's uh, uh, it's a different world. You know, when I was in college. Um, uh, the South Side still had a lot of these kind of sky-rise uh, housing projects and a lot of uh, really bad crime. And uh, Mayor Daley took most of those down, and there's been sort of a resurgence. And, um, you know, we're, we're not that far from McCormick Place, which is the, the, uh, the convention center in town. And, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you, when I was in college, I never would have hung out in the area that we have the brewery in today. But we're investing in it now, you know, so it's, it's, it's the, the, the geography changes, you know, and, sure. and people move around and, and demographics change and, and it's, it's a, it's a nice neighborhood. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot with breweries, you know, a lot of breweries are really responsible for spurring that type of growth, you know, to go into an area that's maybe not as desirable and turn it into that. We've seen it with uh, our most famous brewery here, Sweetwater. You know, they built yeah, in an sure. industrial park. There wasn't much there, and they've kind of expanded to a, a campus there, so to speak, and, and other business popped up around them, you know, just really bringing that back. Uh, uh, several breweries we've seen over in Alabama, Georgia, just all in the area where we are down here in the southeast that do go into less desire, more affordable. I mean, I think that's a big thing for a brewery. You go into an affordable area, and uh, you make it something. So that's, you know, yeah, really well, responsible for that. where to put your brewery, you know, a brewery requires cubic footage, right, to hold your beer, to give it time to ferment, to give it time to lager or age. So you need cubic footage, but cubic footage costs a lot of money if you're going to be in a, yeah. in a, in a high-rent district. For us, um, our building, we, the building we're in was built in 1928. It was originally an Oldsmobile repair depot as part of uh, what's called Motor Row in Chicago, where... When automobiles first came onto the scene, people built auto dealerships right in the heart of the city. So there was a stretch of them right by where we are. And our building was built to repair those, those cars. And, um, uh, so it's a, you know, it's a, an old, uh, uh, it's a manufacturing district building. It's an old boat trust building. And, um, uh, you know, it's probably too small for, uh, you know, modern, uh, 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 automotive plant, yeah. but it's 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 uh, uh, big for a lot of other things, and and for us it's perfect, right? We can we can put our tanks in there, and we have plenty of room to grow, and we have a tap room as well. So, and and you know, there's now they're now converting a lot of the old uh, storage lofts into uh, luxury condominiums, right? So right near us, there's a condominium complex called the Opera Loft. That was originally a warehouse for the Chicago Opera to store all of its props. And I don't know where they store their props now, but they're, <laughs> they're not there. Yep. And the building has been uh, turned into loft uh, condominiums. And so there's a, a network effect that happens and, and the neighborhood revitalizes. 
That's excellent. That's excellent. So we're talking to Rob Sama. He is the owner of Bader Brow in Chicago, and we're drinking his beers. I've moved on, Tim. So uh, I see. I'm still. I'm still sipping Chicago Pilsner. Exactly. Rob, are we saying your last name correctly? Sama. It's good enough. It's good. It's good. It's Italian. In 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 Italian, there's an accent over the second day, which would. Be Sama, but Sama or Sama, either one of those is fine. Close. Okay. Okay, good. Right. I feel, feel yeah. better about myself. There so, we go. so yeah, the, um, I'm drinking your Windchill Hellas right now, which is part of your 240 case series. Uh, so you've expanded over the years to kind of be a little bit more than just your Beta Brow Pilsner. You've kind of uh, expanded your, your growth and given you a couple of more different tap handles. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So. Uh, Windchill is, is the uh, second of our 240K series. The first one we did was, was Gunsmoke, which I believe you, you are coming up on next. Yep. Um, and so the idea there is that we can 240 cases of it and no more. And so or at least no more in the year. And so we said it's sort of an opportunity for our brew staff to experiment and to do one-offs that uh, may or may not see the light of day again. Uh, Windchill is a dry hopped version of our Southside Pride, so we dry hopped it with some uh, Polaris and Northern Brewer hops. And God, I really love that beer. I, I tell you what, I was just going to say, bring this one back. This is fantastic. Yeah. I really enjoyed this one a lot. It's got a yeah. nice. It's got it's got that Hellas there. Again, nice and mild, nice and nice and approachable. But just that bite at the end uh, with the dry hopping. I think, I think it's, it's it's fantastic. I really enjoyed yeah, this. Yeah, you know, and it, what's funny is that uh, uh, we agonized over that beer because we did it. And we were tasting it out of a tank and saying, "Jesus, this, this isn't right." You know, do we, do we, you know, should we dump it? Do we go forward? What do we do? And we said, oh, you know what? Let's let's go forward. What's the worst that can happen?" And uh, it, it, the the end product just turned out fantastic. You know, Rob, all these beers here that we use the term drinking beers. You know, you've got your your pilsners and your your hefts and your hellas and that kind of thing. Is uh, is that kind of your target? You know, the approachable kind of your drinking beers. It absolutely is. Our, our, we, we, the way we put it in uh, in Chicago is crushable. You know, it's it's the beers you can crush. Um, you know, we 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 like to say we make great, uh, uh, flavorful, crushable, and affordable beers. Or the way I like to put it is that um, we don't tax your palate, we we don't tax your liver, and hopefully we don't tax your wallet. You know, we we want to be the the beer that you uh, keep in the big cooler at the uh, at the. Uh, backyard barbecue, the one that everyone is drinking. And, you know, it's funny. I I went out to a craft beer conference a few years ago at Portland. And, you know, you think Portland, it's Beervana, right? Yeah. And uh, big West Coast-style IPAs and sours and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, every single brewery I went into had a lager up. And a lot of them were Pilsners. And they were all competing on the basis of that you know, crushable, approachable drinking beer, as you put it. And, um, you know, I think that to a certain extent in craft beer, for a long time people have been chasing novelty. But at some point you really have tried all the weirdest things and, and you want to go back to that beer that you can drink, but it's still going to be good. It's not it's not a, a corn or rice-based adjunct lager. It's, it's a quality beer. And that's that's absolutely what we try to do. Yeah, and it's funny because we've talked to several brewers on our show, and you know, it's almost like a back to basics movement with craft beer. You know, you get a lot of people that have been brewing some crazy IPAs or some barrel aged stouts or sours and those types of things. But more and more brewers that we see are, are going back to the, again the basic type of lager, basic pilsners, and, and those types of things because they're really 
hard to brew. Uh, you know, you can't really hide uh, with those type of beers. They are hard to hard brew to and brew. easy to drink. That's right. So. They're hard to brew and easy to drink. And as you're right, that's the expression that we, we use in, as a brewer, that, that it's, there's nowhere to hide, right? If you make a mistake and it's not working, the only place to hide is down the drain, you know? Yeah. You've, you've got to get it right. And um, uh, I, I, I take a lot of pride in, in our beers, and, and we have a great brew staff, and, and we work hard at it. So something we've seen, like Aaron just mentioned, we hear this a lot from brewers. You know, when we're hanging out with brewers, they're drinking, you know, one of their Pilsners or something like that. That's what they sit around and drink, and they're not sitting around chugging, you know, 100 IBU IPAs or or barrel stouts and that. So from the brewer's perspective, there's definitely a popularity and kind of a resurgence in these kind of beers. But are you seeing that on the consumer side and – if not, do you think that's something we'll see in the future on the consumer side? I think it's coming around. I think it's coming around. I think, well, for one thing, we're in the Midwest, and, and uh, being in the Midwest, uh, uh, at least we feel like trends come here after they've hit the coast already. So I felt pretty good going to CBC a few years ago and, and seeing uh, uh, brewers compete on the, on the basis of loggers out there because I knew it would be coming here. Um, but... Uh, it's 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 coming around, you know. I, I think that there's still a lot of consumers who don't know what they're drinking and who um, uh, are novelty seeking. Um, but I am seeing it, uh, uh, seeing it on, on uh, from a lot of consumers, particularly your, your older craft beer consumers, who feel like, look, I've been around the block, I've done that, right? I I I, I don't need another girlfriend. I just want to get married, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I want. I'm, I'm happy with the same. I need my everyday drinking beer. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Every, Right. So that's, and that's what we provide. That's great. That's great. Well, Rob Sema, uh, owner here of Bader Brow in Chicago, talking with us right now. We just cracked open your uh, Gunsmoke uh, wheat, and I, I, I wasn't sure what to think about this one when I first saw it, but this is nice. Again, it's very approachable. The smoke is not heavy on this one. Um, it's a nice, solid wheat beer, and it's got a little bit of that smoke flavor and, and smoke smoke on the nose, but uh, but it's nice. It's, it's I think it's pretty well done, too. It, you still get the banana and clove too yep. from from the half, right? So and and it's only five percent uh, Rauch malt in there, so it's not overdone. You know, a lot of uh, smoked beers they it's like being punched in the jaw with exactly with, with a, a barbecued ham, right? Yeah, you, know, you 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 you're 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 at the end of it. You don't want another one. But I'll tell you, I can drink gun smoke all night and uh, 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 not feel worn out by the the smoke flavor at all. Yeah, and it is really nice, and that's it's honestly it's a really hard one to pull off. And Tim and I have talked about this as well. It's it's really not our favorite style to begin with because it is hard to pull off. But when you do it right, it, it does does go down pretty nice. And I can see this pairing well, uh, like a, with a bacon cheeseburger or something like that uh, while I'm eating it. Hell yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's like like you said there. You know, it's not heavy. The smoke is just there as a it's a supporting character. You know, yeah, the, right. the the beer itself stands in the forefront. You know, leading the cast there, but. Uh, the smokes this air kind of support it and add some character to it, which is uh is nice. And that's my palate has changed over the last few years in reference to uh to smoke beers. I went to a, a beer bar here in Atlanta a few years ago and had a buddy come up from Fort Worth, and he ordered all these German rock beers, just just smack you in the face with smoke. And I'm like, man, no, not for me at all. And I've tried yeah. several others since then, and and it is easy for me still for the smoke to go too far. But if you have the right. right beer and you're the right level of it, pretty enjoying mm-hmm. enjoyable complexity that you can get from that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and doing that in a half as we did with Gunsmoke, you're you're, you're it's not just a one a one note band, right? You, you've you've got the banana, you've got the clove, you've got the rich mouthfeel that a Heaven Bison provides. There's it's it's one of many pl- uh, uh, players in the beer, right? And and so that it's 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 uh, it provides a com- it adds one element to what is otherwise a complex but still very drinkable beer. Very cool, Rob. Uh, now, what's your distribution right now? Are you only in the Chicagoland area, Illinois? We're only in Chicagoland. That's uh, uh, Cook counties and the eight counties that okay. surround it. Okay, yeah. excellent. Any plans to expand? Because I will definitely drink some of that Bitter Bar Pilsner all day long. You know, <laughs> we'll we'll take it one step at a time. It's it's a crowded market out there, and uh, uh, the reality is that a lot of distributors feel they already have too much on their plate. Um, but uh, we'll take it one step at a time. I think there's plenty of room for us uh, to for, to grow further in Chicago, but I'd, I'd love to ship you some beer in Atlanta. Nice. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're talking to uh, Rob Sama from Bader Bow Brewing out of Chicago. You're listening to Drink This Beer. Thanks for tuning in with us, and cheers. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. More beer stories? Head to BeerGuysRadio.com. Follow the Beer Guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Want more craft beer news? Listen to the Beer Guys Radio Show, available every Saturday morning. Drink this beer. Produced and developed by Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. Part of the Beer Guys Media Radio Network. BeerGuysRadio.com.